When I left is what changed me because at that point, I'd got so involved with the cult that I detached so much from the real world. And so when I came back to the real world, I had nothing. So I really felt I could just start from square zero. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Artists of Data Science. Today, we've got a conversations episode where we get to hear from people who are doing interesting work, pursuing their dreams, and adding value to the world. We're going to get inside their heads, see what makes them tick, and walk away with a new perspective that will help us in our journeys. These episodes are much less structured and far less formal than what you normally hear on the show. They're going to be raw, unedited, unproduced for the most part. Thanks for tuning in, and I'd love to hear what you think about these episodes. Feel free to shoot me an email at theartistsofdatascience at gmail.com with your thoughts. Our guest today is fascinated by data science, AI, and tech applications in business. He's a passionate advocate for harnessing the power of machine learning and data science to help people become more productive and effective. His insightful and pro prolific writing has earned him the distinction of being one of the top writers in artificial intelligence on towards data science. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming our guest today, Curtis Pikes. Curtis, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on the show today. How you doing, Harpery? Thank you very much for having me. Oh, man, it is it's my pleasure. Uh, so let's let's learn a little bit more about you, man. Talk to us about where you grew up and what was it like there? So I'm from the UK, London, south of London, a place called Croydon. Um, we can get even more specific and say Thornton Heath. Um, boy, <laughs> let's just say it's not the the best. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, a lot of knife crime here, a lot of um, robbery. It's a tough neighbourhood. You know, so, um, yeah, <laughs> Boy, I don't yeah. Have to so is that where, uh, that was that TV show, man, uh, top boy, is that where top boy was filmed? Like the coordinator or is that somewhere else? You know, I've never watched top boys. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, but, like you know what? I think it's in East London. Okay. It might be in East London. So no, no. So what was, what would you say is an, a, a, event or something that happened to you that contributed in shaping who you are today? Oh, good question. Um, I'll say there's two events, actually. The first one, I was 17 and I got a phone call from my friend telling me he's been stabbed. And, you know, um, it was actually, it was my closest friend at the time, in fact. And I was at football. I was living in um, a place called Essex, which is about two, two and a half hours away from where I, I live now. But he called me saying he's been stabbed. And, you know, I thought it was a joke and all of these things. So I've cut the phone, you know, I'm, I'm at football. And then I've got a call back straight away. Like, and there's girls screaming on the phone, like, yo, your friend, he's been stabbed. Like, he's not breathing and all these things. And um, 
I left where I was immediately to get back as fast as I could. And, you know, the train journey was two hours. And we have something called, um, under, you have probably have underground service. Where you are. I don't know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't, but I was on the underground, no service, no nothing. And for an hour and a half, I'm just thinking like, I can't, I can't talk to anyone. I can't, like my mind was all over the place. And then um, by the time I got back, uh, there was a helicopter airlifting him, sadly he passed away. But I think at that moment, I just realized that um, life is life is short and you have to really enjoy life and things like that. So I started trying a lot of different things just so that I, I can you still hear me? I, I can't hear you. Yeah, it, it froze off uh, just during that point where you're, you're talking about you realize that life is short and that there's all these things that and then it froze. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Yeah. Not free time. Okay. Yeah, I realized that life was short and um, you've, you've really got to enjoy the time you have now, living in the now. But, you know, I was young at the time. I think I was 17. So my first thought wasn't about, yeah, I'm going to start going church and these things. I, you know, I went a bit left for a while, like um, doing really silly things. Um, and it was crazy because at the time I was like, I was doing well in my football career. I'd just been offered a professional football contract as well. But these things happening back home were distract. It was playing on my mind all the time, no matter where I was. And yeah, so again, after after a bit of time, I started to just think about like what what am I doing? Because eventually, I've stopped playing football, and I was just flashing back on my life. And I was like, wait a minute, I had the opportunity to become a professional. I'm now in a situation where people from a certain area don't like me. If they see me, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a situation. And I was like, how the hell did I end up in this place? Uh, so I was just thinking, I need to start doing things that's going to allow me to get out of this environment and show people that you don't only have to be- become a footballer or a rapper to make something of yourself. So I started doing things and then I ended up in church. Now, here's the second time my life changed. <laughs> I've ended up in church and... Um, Long story short, the church is a cult. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's messed up. Um, I was there for four years. I rose to the top rankings of the church where I was leading my own church within the church. So I was um, preaching, I think, twice a week to about 100 people, most of them older than me. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll say... Not not the experience of being there is what changed me. When I left is what changed me because at that point, I'd got so involved with the cult that I detached so much from the real world. And so when I came back to the real world, I had nothing. So I really felt I could just start from square zero. Um, I didn't have no friends. I didn't have no contacts. I didn't have anything. So... For me, it was just an opportunity to start life all over again and start doing the things that I thought were right and start researching the things that I thought were right. And obviously, where I've been involved in a cult, I was like, yeah, no one's ever going to manipulate my, my mind again. So I'll do due diligence. I'll read about thinking. I'll read about learning. I'll read. I'll. <laughs> well, I'll just say, yeah, de- definitely those two moments, my friend passing away and that moment I left the cult and I knew 
I had nothing apart from the people. Though, of course, my family wouldn't leave me and stuff like that. There was friends that won't leave. Of course, there were friends who were like, nah, you, you changed up or whatnot, which was cool. I understood them. Um, but definitely having that opportunity to start life all over again was the best thing that ever, ever, ever has happened to me. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That is <laughs> fucking crazy. Like, how old are you? I'm 24. Damn, so you went through this shit super young in life, man. Yeah, yeah, You've gone, yeah, yeah. you gone through a lot of stuff that a lot of people will never, ever imagine. How did you... Okay, first of all, I mean, I'm sorry to hear about your friend passing away, man. Like, I've had, had some shit happen like that to me as well, not in that exact kind of way, but I can understand what it's like to lose a friend at a young age. That shit sticks with you for life, and it really starts changing your perspective on things, <laughs> uh, for yeah. sure. Uh, but man, this cult you're a part of, that is insane. How did, how did that well, happen? Yeah, I mean, people who get involved in cults, the, the thing about cults is that when you're in a cult, you don't know that you're in a cult. Yeah, so yeah. how did you start to realize, like, holy shit, man, like this is, something is off. Uh-huh. So whilst I was there, of course, like I said to you, I, I was trying things. Like I wanted to, to make something on myself to be an example to other people as well and just show them you don't have to play football to make it out of this area, or you don't have to be a rapper to make it out of this area. So whilst I was there, I was still studying, and I realised that a lot of people weren't studying. They were just taking what they were told. So like one time I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own studying. So I read the Bible cover to cover by myself in one month. <laughs> and then... um. I just started to realize some things. I was like, nah, man, God wouldn't want me to be going through the stuff that I'm going through right now, you know? So um, I started thinking about my future, but this is going to sound really dumb, but we, we don't really do that whilst you're there. In a cult, you're kind of led to believe in this, 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 um, this mysterious future where God's going to come and do some crazy things and you're going to be the one that survives it because... You know, you're part of this movement. So I started to think of my future. I started to think of what do I want? Because if God wants me, God wants me to be happy and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just started thinking about my future and little by little things started to fall off. Like um, I'll read something one day and I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop hanging around with these people. They're good people. I don't hate them. I'm not angry at them, but they're not leading me in this direction that I want to go. So, that would drop off gradually, gradually things were dropping off. And then one day I was just, um, I was, I was at work and it just hit me. It's like, yeah, you're never going back. And I was like, ah, cool. So I messaged the people I needed to message and told them that like, I'm not going back. Do you know what? If you're so interested, there is a documentary on um, something. Have you, have you heard of the BBC? Yeah. 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 yeah, there's a documentary on the BBC. I'm on it and I, we talk more about all of it. And so if you want to check it out, I can send you a link. Yeah, yeah, send me a link, man. I'm going to put that into the to show notes as well. That's, that is yeah. crazy. So like, was your pursuit then after after leaving this cult, after going through all that stuff, Yeah, like, yeah. what led you to like data science? Was that kind oh. of, did that come from like a desire to like this pursuit of the truth almost? Or am I just way off base there? Um, No, no, not really. I, like I said, whilst I was there, I was focused on bettering myself. So my, 
um, I was working as a postman whilst I was there. So I, I used to spend a lot of time listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And I was listening to an interview by Bill Gates where he um, was asked the question, if you wasn't, if you never founded Microsoft, what would you be doing? And he said he'll be an AI researcher. So I started studying it and reading about what it is you need to do. Um, and the truth is, at first, I thought I was never going to do it. It was too tough. Um, the things that I was talking about, I didn't really have an education because I left school or I left the education system a lot earlier than people because I had been given a professional contract to play football. So um, I was just like, nah. Even though I wasn't bad in school, sorry. Um, I done pretty well in school, but I was just like, nah, this ain't going to happen. But I don't know what was going on at that time. I think a week or two later, I went into work and there was like, I'm surplus to requirements. So <laughs> I got made redundant on the spot. And because it was an agency job, they didn't need to give me notice. I just had to go home then and then. So I was like, boy, like, I need a skill that's not only going to make me work physically, but it's going to make me work mentally because then I can do it when I'm 100 years old. So I was like, cool. So um, I'm going to learn how to program. So that's like bit by bit, it started building. Then as I got better with the programming, I remembered, oh my God, data science. So I started reading up about it. Um, I got two books. One was The Master Algorithm. One was Superintelligence. Um, I read through them and I was like, ah, cool. This is not as scary as I thought. I'm going to be an AI researcher. But as I got more and more exposed, I was like, oh, there's a practitioner side of this thing. So um, I started driving my efforts towards there. Um, I taught myself the maths. I taught myself the programming. Um, anything I needed to learn, I was just doing it. And then I started going to meetups where I met my manager, who the guy who became my manager because he saw my laptop and everything just fell into place. And then since then, um, you know, the data science community is amazing. They, they're really helpful. So... Um, I've had loads of support um, going forward, and now that's that's yeah. <laughs> so, up just out of curiosity, which team was it that you're going to play for? Um, it's called Dagenham and Redbridge. At the time when I was there, they were in um, Premier League, Football League, League One League. They were only two when I was there. Um, now I don't. I haven't played football in so long, man. <laughs> so yeah. I don't. I've I only watched Chelsea, so I don't really know about the lower leagues anymore. But yeah. um, I don't know if they're in League Two. <laughs> so when you're, I mean, that's a, a, quite a lot to self-teach and and, and learn yeah. by yourself. And I think that is an incredible point to make here: is the fact that you don't necessarily need to go through like a formal training program or a formal certification program if you understand the things that you need to pick up, mm. everything can be learned because there's so many resources online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to us. So, there's so, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, there's no, so all good. Resources, but, um, I think, I mean, it's, it's probably not something everyone should do is definitely what I would say. But for myself, this is how I've learned most things. Like I remember um, I never had a driving instructor. Um, I turned 16 and bought a car. And then whenever my brother was around or my dad was around, I'll ask them if they can sit in the car with me and let's drive. And that's literally how I picked it up. Like, but I think my, my brother gave me this, this um, how can I say, this image of clutch and brake moving simultaneously, not simultaneously, but like, however I, I'll describe that. 
<laughs> that movement, but he and I'll I'll dream about it. Like I'll just imagine the clutch going down, accelerator coming off, accelerator going down, clutch coming up. And I just it just felt natural whenever I got in the car. So but um, and that's the same thing I think that's that's translated into data science now. So yeah. Uh, it's interesting because there's a couple of like brain processes going on there, right? One of them is first of all, you're learning how to do the thing through instruction, through watching people and then taking it away and thinking about it later, mm, right? Yeah, so if yeah. you apply that to, to learning data science, yeah, you could sit and watch a lecture, watch a YouTube video, mm. but if you don't apply it, right, mm. in the form of mm. maybe a small project, mm. and then when you're away from the actual material, if you're not at least going, mulling over the, the concepts in your head, trying to internalize it, mm. understand it, then it's hard to do really anything I guess, creative with, with the work, right? No, exactly. Um, because you see gaps in your brain when you're thinking about it. Like, I, I, I can't really explain it. <laughs> um, there is probably some sort of explanation for it somewhere. But as you're thinking about things, you start seeing things and you, and, and you can't justify it. So you, you would fabricate it in your mind. And that's when you know, oh, my days, I've just made something up. I need to go and check this thing out. Mm-hmm. And so you'll go back and say, ah, that's where I didn't understand it. So if we're looking at gradient descent, for example, I might just be like, okay, so the ball is rolling down the hill, but how does it miss the, the uh, local minimum? Or how does it miss the minimum? No, 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 there's something not going on with my brain. Like, like what's, what's, what's missing? What have I missed? And then um. I'll go read about it and that's just how it'll come. <laughs> and the writing that you do, is that kind of a way for you to synthesize that information? Now, yeah, I think it's a better way because before I would always do it in my mind. Um, my manager at work tipped me off and he was like, um, Curtis, you should write down what you're learning when you're learning because it will help with your brain, press- your brain-, your brain processes. And I was like, yeah, this makes sense. That's cool if, if it's going to help. Um yeah, then I just started applying it. So I get these messages from people on LinkedIn, even some from my mentee network at Data Science Stream Job. And a lot of people are, they're scared of sharing their thoughts or scared of putting themselves out mm. there mm. because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about or they don't want to look, you know, incorrect or whatnot. Yeah. How did you overcome that did you have that kind of feeling of oh shit man like what if i, what if I say something and I, and I and i don't say it exactly right because there's always people out there that get a nitpick right i can think of a few on linkedin that do this consistently uh, not going to name any names but it makes people afraid to share yeah. and that's not good so were you battling any of that yourself i don't think anybody would not battle that however i've got my methods of dealing with it like I don't mean to make it like a sad story on the platform or anything, but the first thing I'll think of, if I'm scared of doing something, I'll just say, hey, I've been on the phone to my closest friend dying. Like, there's nothing that can be worse than that. That There's nothing that can hurt me more than that. Or I would also say, um, dude, I was in a massive cult and I was on TV talking about a cult, about people that were my friends that I no longer agree with their beliefs. There's nothing more embarrassing than that. So if I get something wrong about linear regression, who gives a crap? Like, cause I've been embarrassed. I've been hurt and I've been embarrassed. So there's nothing worse 
you know so I kind of just take it on the chin if someone corrects me I just say hey this person wants me to be a better person that's it that's an important viewpoint to have man like don't take the attacks as personal like I'm not even they're not even necessarily attacks they're you're perceiving them mm-hmm. disproportionately right some people are, are assholes that's for sure but <laughs> sometimes people are just helping you correct your own yeah 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 genuinely I, I genuinely feel there's a lot of people in the world that just want you to be better and so I will first put on those goggles when I'm looking at feedback that someone's given to me this person wants me to be better and if I'm better, the world will be a better place. That's it. So before we d- uh, dig into your writing a little bit, I'm curious, what are you excited about when it comes to data science and machine learning? Like, how are you excited about its application in the near future? Oh, um, you know, I, I don't think I've really thought through. However... There are things where I'm like, yo, if this was to work and it worked properly, this would be dope. Like autonomous vehicles. Like, I hate driving. My mom, every time she wants to go shopping, she'll ask me to drive. And I'm just like, oh, imagine we had an autonomous vehicle. I just set the route, you go. So, okay, let me not say I haven't thought about it. Yeah, autonomous vehicles. Like, if there's something autonomous that could, you know, like just do everything for us then it's great. But then there's also the ethical side of things where you're like, but my friend's an Uber driver and that means my friend might not have uh, a job if, if, if this thing comes into play soon. So there, there are a lot of things to think of. And, and right now I try not to think so much about like what's going to happen, what's going to happen, mainly because I'm so concerned with what am I doing now. Um, and, and when you start thinking so far ahead, I just feel like sometimes you can start getting a bit stagnant because there's so many things that you can think of that could go wrong. And, and it, it, it probably doesn't help, like, just focus on it. So, yeah, a lot of the time I'm thinking, what am I doing now? What's going on now that I can get involved with and, you know, take off? So I'll say right now that thing is probably natural language processing. Um I'm enjoying it. Machine translation and things like that. I've just recently learned about it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can't wait to apply this on something and build something with it. So, yeah. That's cool, man. I, I like that. Dude, autonomous vehicles in London would be uh, super clutch. I, I, you know, I've visited London several times. And the last time my wife and I were there, 2017, I drove in. I had a rental car and I was driving around London. I drove from Hounslow West all the way to... Um, Woolwich. Jeez, man, north yeah. to south. Yeah, and that shit was crazy, man. Like there are cars coming out from everywhere, roads that are like super skinny, yeah. and oh yeah. my god, dude. Uh, and it took like three hours, and I was like, dude, there's only, <laughs> only twenty five kilometers on the map. I was like, oh, okay, well, this should take like half an hour, forty five minutes. It took like three hours. <laughs> London, it gets so congested. Um. They've even you you probably have congestion zones in Canada. Yeah, Winnipeg's uh, different than a lot of Canada. It's um it's a small little city. Okay. Yeah. So um London has congestion zones and it's being extended a lot further. So just to reduce people driving, so it, it gets congested. And you went through the worst place ever because I've never been to Woolwich and it's not busy. <laughs> like even on the even on the least busy day, it's busy. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
there's some study I was uh, reading in a book about cab drivers in London, and they did some uh, some some neuroscience type of study because apparently to become a cab driver in London, you have to memorize the the streets, and you develop. Uh, they have really thick myelination in certain parts of their brain because of them having to memorize these uh, routes, right? Like it, it was this crazy. If I could find the study, I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, but the, the interesting thing you said there about, you know, you have friends that are Uber drivers, autonomous vehicles might come and take their jobs. But don't you think that some of these things that machine learning and AI can do, can automate for us, it would result in some jobs being taken away in the short run, mm. but in the long run on a grand scale, it frees up humanity to do more interesting creative work. Honestly, this is the discussion I was having with a mate yesterday, and I'm 1000% with you on that. Um, their argument was that um, some people don't have the capacity or something like that to do it. And I was just, oh, I, I was really trying to empathize because I was like, what do you mean you don't have the capacity? If you've got access to the internet, you could learn whatever you want. So when you say you don't have the capacity, what are you talking about? But where I haven't quite understood their side of the argument properly, I don't want to just be like, you're talking rubbish. Like I genuinely believe more jobs will be will come from AI and as it grows and stuff like that. But it's just now I want to understand what their argument is on the other side where they're like, no, we're going to lose our job. What, what are we going to do? What's this and so on? When I get a better understanding of their argument, I think that would, you know, give me a better start for my own position. But for now, as things stand, I'm definitely jobs, more jobs are going to be made because of artificial intelligence. Yeah. And you think about it now, like the types of jobs that we have now in 2020, even mm. in 2010, some of these jobs didn't exist, right? 20 years ago in the year 2000, a lot of these jobs that we have now didn't exist, right? For example, a podcasting 20 years ago, who would have thought that was a job? Who would have thought that you can write articles on the internet, get, pay, get paid for it, or make videos and get paid for it? Mm. Um, who would have thought that you could have gotten paid as a search engine optimization type of person or a content marketer or all these different jobs that are now created? So we don't know what the future is going to look like in terms of jobs. There's not like the same number of jobs since the beginning of time history that we're all fighting each other over. Like new technologies and create new things and these new things are going to require more human services to definitely. keep them functioning yeah. um yeah that that's definitely it's an important valid point and um yeah yeah thanks thanks for hearing your perspective on that um going back to some of your writing you did this great piece about why you don't need to get a job in data science to get data science experience, which is an awesome way to flip the need to get experience to, well, need experience to get experience type of uh, argument. So let's dig into this a little bit. So how, how can we use volunteer experience to build up our data science profiles? Um, I mean, it's, it's not obviously, okay, it's just, but I spoke to um, one, a leading data scientist, um, Tom Ives, I don't know if you've come across him. And he was just like, well, what is data science? Is it, is it not just getting insights from data? You don't need to have a title to get insights from data. If you can ask someone, hey, yo, like, you have lots of data, can I help you? Can I help you find some interesting things out? 
you can do data science with that. And if they benefit from it, <laughs> you've done data science on a business level. So um, it is, is, is as simple as that. People have data. A lot of people aren't data literate. How can you help? And it, just doing, looking for opportunities to say, hey, I want to help you out. Like, um, so recently, I, I haven't done it yet, but um, from my most recent post, um, I spoke about um, maybe freelancing might be the way. Um, and that was going off the back of a, a report I saw where uh, the unemployment rate in the UK has risen to 4.5%. And I was just like, hey, wait a minute, what if I'd done a project where um, I looked deeper into those numbers and said, okay, so how is it affecting the artificial intelligence sort of field? So the data field, how's um, recruitment in data science, machine learning, um, data analytics, how is that being affected by... COVID-19 and the unemployment rate that's rising, you know? Um, so it's something I'm thinking about. Should I do it? I'm above it and all these things, but it is, is a project and you're getting experience from it. So if you, if you want to do it, you should do it, you know? And even if you're in your current role, right? And you're trying to break into data science, but let's say you don't have a data science role, data science title, like you probably still have access to some sort of data. Right? Exactly. Exactly, and, and you could still do data science work. Like nobody's like watching over your shoulder saying, "No, you cannot use a random force to solve this." You cannot, you know, like nobody's. <laughs> yeah. doing so you can you still see, solve and, problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and the truth is, like I've mentioned it before, but the term data science is too broad. Like it is, it's not necessarily. I don't think it holds as much meaning as it used to when it first, when the report first came out by Harvard saying it's the sexiest job. We, we've got things. We can go into things as we want and just say, this is data science anyway. So like you can be in the IT team and you see that you've got a lot of data from the IT team and do data science, but it's, it's, it's because it's that vague. <laughs> you know, if, if you just start, analyzing it and you find, hey, we can build a model that is going to allow us to determine what um, tickets to deal with first or something like that, or where something may arise in the future, like a, a server may go down or something. You don't need to call it data science. You, you just, you've got data and you're working on it, you know? So mm -hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting point that data science is so it's kind of an all encompassing term. It's, it's vague. It's kind of like just saying, telling somebody I'm an accountant, right? Like you get a general sense of, okay, you're an accountant, but under the hood, there's like 10 different types of accountants, right? Or you could say that I'm an engineer, but then you what, what kind of engineer, structural engineer, mechanical engineer, civil engineer, like, right. So data science is kind of like that, or you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm in data science. Oh, okay. Well, w what part of data science could it be data engineering, AI research, data analysts, things like that, right? Is that kind of what you're, what you're saying there? Exactly. And I think now, like, because some, um, the question people would always ask is, where do you think the field's going? And then if you ask the statisticians, they'll say, yeah, more statistical modeling. If you ask the software engineer type data scientists, is yeah, more software engineering. And, and I think that's, that's just a sign to show you that, like, the, the field is vague. It's, it's very vague and very broad. And the truth is, neither of them are wrong. If they believe there's more statistical modeling to be done, that's because that's what they see. And it's true. There probably is more statistical modeling. But at the same time, 
we're going to need to deploy more systems. <laughs> so there is going to be more software engineering and more of a software engineering sense of things. So I, I just think who, who, who you speak to will tell you where you feel like the field's going, where they feel like the field's going to go. So that, that just shows you it's very vague, very broad. You define it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking as a statistician myself, um, <laughs> for, for statistician for many, many years, uh, it, it's very easy to get very dogmatic in thinking about one particular or thinking in one particular way um, and to open yourself up to another point of view and learn that point of view. It challenges a lot of your assumptions that makes you kind of, you have to have a beginner's mind, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It makes you feel like you uh, don't know what the fuck is going on because there's so much going on. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like that, man. Um, so another thing you talked about in that article, we're talking mm-hmm. about networks and funny thing you mentioned Tom, uh, Tom Ives. Uh, he's awesome. Man. I love that guy. Um, got yeah. a, in a, I'm in a group chat with him. Um, I don't know how I ended up with a, in a group chat. With, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got Tom Ives, Scott Taylor, T Scott, Clint Daniel, uh, Kate Strachney and, all these other people ended up in the group chat with them somehow. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's cool, man. Cool guy. Uh, but yeah, it comes down to network, right? So talking about networks, um, how, yeah. how can we leverage our networks uh, in the right way to, to kind of help us out? Well, first thing I'll say is the don't. Please don't message anyone saying, if you see a job opening, tell me, because that is so, so... I don't even understand why people feel like it'll work. <laughs> Maybe it does. I don't know. Um, but if you're if you're just meeting someone over the internet, they have no connection with you whatsoever. So if your first message is them, hey, I like this. Can you tell me when you see a job opportunity? It's almost going to be like, dude, you're a twat. Like, don't don't do that. If if you really want to connect with someone, connect with someone. You know, understand their their message that they're trying to put out there, and and if you agree with it like follow it you know um connect with them speak with them say hey man i love this post that you put out and i think he was talking some sense or hey even if you don't agree with something it's a good opportunity for you to speak to someone and open up your horizon to what else is there in the field because like i said it's a very big field and you will learn so much just genuinely trying to understand the message that someone's trying to put across online comes down to understanding human nature man like you can't yeah. just you can't come up to somebody and just tell them what you want expect me to care about it man you gotta like talk <laughs> like we're all there's self-interest everybody's interested in themselves and that's just the fact of human nature so if you are going to reach out to somebody at least first talk about them to, to get yeah. yeah 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 at least that's an excellent point man so we're talking a little bit about how you're self-taught Let's uh, dig into this a little bit more. Uh, you wrote this this article describing your process for leveling up in eight months. Uh, yep. Talk to us about kind of how did you roadmap this out, or was there roadmap? Like how did you how did you go about this? How did you first? I guess how did you narrow down what it was that you needed to learn, and then yep. you kind of narrowed that down. How did you go about setting up the roadmap? Great question. So I think you always want to start from where you stand and say, what do I know? And justify it, like, you know, ask yourself questions. I say, I know what linear regression is. Now I'll be like, cool, explain it. Um, and if I can't, then I don't know it. And um, I, I also have this, this view of what do I want to know? 
And I'll say, I want to know deep learning. I want to understand what's going on. Um, so first, I'll put a lot of time into what I should know because I felt like I knew it and get that up to date, get that like strong. I feel like that one is a lot easier to do because you already have some background about it since why you felt like you knew it. And then from there, the field is so intertwined with each other that if you understand some fundamentals in machine learning, you can move on into the deep learning side of things and understand it pretty easily as well. And, and it is not that difficult. Um, so definitely start where you are. I'm here. This is where I am. Um, I feel like I understand these things. I'm going to prove to myself I understand these things. If I do understand these things, I'm going to move on to the things that I would like to understand and work from there. And, you know, that I, I, there's not really much of a structure. I don't, I don't know if that's a structure, but <laughs> it, it, that's how I like to think of it for myself. So people are always like, they, they don't know how to start. They don't know where to start, right? So, um, so when you say figure out where you are right now, does that mean, okay, this is, so I guess, okay, how, do, how am I going to phrase this question? So figure out where you are right now, but in relation to, to, to data science. So, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, I mean, in the beginning, it's, it's quite difficult to define where you want to go in the field of data science. So I would say, definitely follow the general path. Like they, there's, there's a general path. You should know this calculus, linear algebra, probability stats, um, Python programming or R programming. And then um, what What's next? <laughs> Just playing with data. I don't know whatever comes next, but um, you want to have that, that fundamental path in. Um, I'll definitely say get good with tabular data before you move on to unstructured data. And then, um, when I say start from where you are, you've got an idea of the field. You you have a general sense of these are the things that I can do in in data science. And where I am now is probably not where I want to be, but I can improve these skills that will move me closer towards where I want to be. Um, great book that I read recently, recommended to me by... Um, Scott Clint Daniel, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read it in the past, but um, I think after I had a conversation with him and he, he, he broke it down to me, I was just like, wow, I need to read this book again because I really don't think I understood it. And um, the second habit was start with the end in mind. No, wait, first habit was be proactive. Yes, yeah, second habit was start with the end in mind. And... Um, that, that, that's the, the, the concept we're trying to get here. You, 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 of course, if you're proactive, that means you follow the path, the, the, the fundamental path of becoming a data scientist. So what I just explained. And then as you've got some sort of stance in the field, some sort of overview, you can now begin to picture what the end should look like for you. Of course, it's not the end, like I'm dying here. No, end like this is where I want to be. And you can begin to take steps towards that direction so um yeah yeah that's a crucial element i think like that's for problem solving right for for problem solving start with the solution that you are working towards and then break it down into smaller discrete chunks handle each discrete chunk and then put it back together and all of a sudden you have a, have a result exactly, exactly. Now, something you said that was really uh, important in there you mentioned you know all these different skill sets but eventually you got to get to a point where you start getting some data start playing with some data Mm. So 
I guess, what would you say is the most important data science project that someone can do? Um, we're using the blog that I wrote, right? <laughs> okay. Um, the one project is definitely going to be adding value to yourself on a consistent basis. I know that can sound very, very vague, but um, it, it is not if you have an overview, again, of where it is you're trying to go. Um, at the end of the day, data science is about how you can help others with the information you know. And the more value you add to yourself, the more value you can add to others, as in the, in, in terms of skill sets, um, um, how I can better myself. If I continue to better myself and and I show people that this is the, the problems that I can solve for you, people know or, or now have a basis of why they should reach out to me. Like, okay, this is the guy, he calls himself the data guy. Um, why am I going to call him instead of my cousin Larry or whoever, you know? Um, so adding value to yourself is a nonstop thing. I don't think you can just say, yeah, I'm just going to pick up, you know, and I just hypothetically speaking, I'm going to pick up an iris data set and that's going to be the project that's going to get me a job. No, when you get a job, that's not the be all end all. You've still got to add value to yourself. You've still got to improve yourself because you're not doing it to just get a living. This is a job that's going to require you to think constantly. And, and if you're not doing that, you probably won't be adding as much value to whoever it is you're serving with your skills um, in that moment. So, yeah, it's adding value to yourself nonstop. Some very, very good insight there, man, because very rarely in the real world do you just get a data set and are told to do science on it. That's, mm. just, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. There's usually several data sets spread out across multiple tables and multiple databases. Uh, each of them have a little bit of what you need, and then you have to find some way to put it together and solve a question. But first of all, you have to be able to communicate with people to figure out what the question is that you're actually trying to solve, get clarity and alignment around that, right? And these are all skills that the Irish data set won't teach you. And these are all skills that you have to be willing to learn. Um, like you said, it's constant thinking, man. That's why I love data science. Like, yeah. like I, I love knowing that I'll probably never be a master in data science yeah. because it's yeah. so big. That's what I love. But I love the challenge of trying to approach mastery. If anything... I mean, I've been doing this for nearly 10 years. I haven't been doing data science per se for nearly 10 years, but, you know, I started out teaching math to high school students, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, grad school, and then working in different quantitative roles, it just mm -hmm. develop an intuition and an understanding of what might work, what might not work. And for me now, the challenge is making that intuition generalize across problems that I've never seen before, Yeah, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So having that low level of um, understanding the, of what it is that you're doing. Mm. So talk to me more now about um, another piece that you had written about making data science projects stand out. <laughs> um, this one was about um, writing readmes. Um, I, I don't think people find them as effective as they actually are because um Sometimes I like to, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but sometimes I, I go on GitHub and I'll be looking at projects and seeing what they've done and how they've gone about things. And then I'll land on a project that sounds really good, but there's no documentation. There's no readme. And I'm like, you've done this beautiful thing or probably you've built something beautiful, but I don't know how to use it. So 
how the hell am I going to understand what you've done? So um, I feel like people that take time to write or read me, they're obviously someone that has been very, very forward thinking and conscious about other people when they were building their project. So I, I think it stands out straight away because it's like you're thinking about other people, you know, you're, and, and that's what data science is about. It's about other people, how you can help other people with your data, with data. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read me files are super important, especially with like personal projects that you're doing as part of a portfolio, like mm. at least make your readme file kind of like a executive summary of sorts. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. It may not be like a, a full package that you've put together that's meant to be executed by somebody else, but if it's just meant to communicate a problem statement and you're thinking through it, have that readme file, you know, use, use all the, the advantages of markdown, right? And just make it beautiful, make it stand out like as if it was a report that you're turning in. Yeah. Of. No, honestly, because I, I mean, I, I, I actually, I would, I would never link to anyone else's profile and be like, this is an example, but um. In fact, there's probably, there's one on mine that I haven't got a readme for because I've got it on my local computer. But um, that there could be some crazy good work in there. And, you know, uh, I, there's been times where I've landed on someone's profile. I've kind of tripped and fell and landed on the actual work that they've done. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. I've tripped, I've tripped about and landed on the actual work that they've done. And the actual work is, is really good. Like there's, there's things in there and I'm like, wow, I never would have thought of that. Well, I, I don't know if someone would have the patience like I had to, to click around on things like that. You know, someone else who's probably me more, more important than I am, than I would ever be to, to someone who's put the work on their profile. Like I'm not going to hire you, but um, someone who probably is, or can probably offer you something that's, that's going to be greater than what I ever could land on it and just be like hey look i don't understand what you're doing sorry and and that's an opportunity missed and make it easy for people to to see the value that you can contribute right don't make it hard for them don't make them work yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know exactly exactly so let's do a last formal question before we jump into our random round it sure. is 100 years in the future what do you want to be remembered for oh <laughs> um I really should have thought about this. <laughs> I think I want to be known as the guy who changed perceptions. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up in, in an area where you're either a rapper or, or, um, or a footballer. And if you're not, you're on drugs or you're dead in, or in jail, you know? So I, I, I want to change perceptions. Maybe, obviously, maybe I'm thinking a bit small here and saying that, yeah, I want to change the perception in my in my neighborhood but I know there's many neighborhoods like this around the world and so can do it extremely well and it's not by doing those two activities or some other illegal stuff you know we can do things right um, and speaking more generally just an advocate an advocate for yeah, we always have this diversity conversation, but I feel like nowadays the diversity conversation is about more women in the workplace. And I think that's not covering the full, like let the full scope of what diversity means. Diversity is more diverse people. That's gender, race, culture, um, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, I, I don't feel like that's being covered. Um, and so also, if, if I can get a more diverse, appeal to a more diverse background and, and get more, you know, um, black Africans or black, whatever, black British, whatever, black Americans involved in technical fields and not just physically trying to do physical stuff, which, are, which is still great, by the way, don't get me wrong. But if we want to have more of a say in the world, we need to be in the rooms where important decisions are being made. And, and, and that's going to take us, yeah, we probably have to work a lot harder than some more privileged people, which is fine. Um, our parents done their best for us, but this is the situation we have. And so I, I really want to be known as the guy that, that inspired that, that desire in people to want to um, improve themselves in, in these um, underprivileged communities um, to reach places that no one thought was possible for people like us. I think a man to respect that. What, what can we do now to, you know, help make this possible? Like, yeah. what could the rest of the data community at large do to help foster the inclusion of more I say people of color and I don't mean just Indian people or Asian people like when it comes to data science I don't, I'm not even sure we count as people of color because we flood the field right <laughs> they're, they're all Indians and Asians but let's talk about like what can we do to make you know make the field more appealing to to black people to Latinos yeah. to anybody else um, yeah. yeah yeah how do we do that you know if I had the answer to that right now I think we would be definitely on course, because I, I don't doubt my ability to influence people. Um, positively, that is as well. But I, I, I truly don't know. Um, I think right now, you see, I, I don't want to generalize to a whole people, but I'm probably going to anyway. I feel like, um, especially in the black community, we, we see with our eyes, like, is, is what looks shiny, you know? Um, Again, I don't want to generalize because there are some people that are not like that. Um, but we don't look into things. It's, it's, it's like um, we just see it and we say, hey, that's what it is. When sometimes it's, no, you have to look a little bit deeper into things and, and you see that, no, this is probably not the most healthy thing for me. It's not the most, the most conducive thing that I should be doing with my time. Um, but the things that you should be doing, they look boring. You know, come online. For example, who wants to eat vegetables, but we all know it's good for us, you know? Um, who wants to study? We know it's good for us, but who wants to do it? And the requirements of becoming a data scientist is almost like, yo, uh, you've, you, you're, well, I speak for myself, you probably won't have friends, you know? And like I said, the greatest thing that happened to me was being able to start my life all over again. And because of that, I didn't have friends around me. So studying for 24 hours isn't difficult for me because no one's going to call me like, hey, Curtis, let's go out. Whereas I feel like that distraction is more prevalent when you're much more involved in, in the society, you know? Um, so I feel like now, for myself at least, having this time away where I've, I've been involved in the society and, and engaged in the Black community and doing all the things that, that's, that goes on, um, now I've been disengaged and I'm seeing life from a new perspective. I feel like as I get a better understanding of this side of life, I'll be able to link the two together and come with an answer for you. Like, how can we get these people that are less interested in what's going on here involved? Um, but as things stand, 
I have no answer, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate you sharing your insights on that, man. Thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's jump into our random round here, starting with the first question. What are you currently most excited about or currently exploring? Yeah. Um, that would definitely be natural language processing. So um, if we're talking about data science, though, that is. Okay, yeah. So um, that would definitely be natural language processing. Um, I've been so... I, I've been... I, I want to... This is my thing with data science. I, I love data science, but I want to build something tangible. Um, I want it to be able to, I want to be able to touch it and say, hey, look, this is what I built, you know? Um, and I feel like with the unstructured work that's coming along, you get more of that thing where, hey, look, you just type something and, you know, um, I can translate it into tree, which is the language we speak in Ghana. But um, whereas with, you know, marketing and digital side of data science, it's just a lot of behind the scenes dashboards and of course there's predictions and stuff like that but with that that's very tangible i've not seen a translator translate english into my language before so i can be like hey to the people back home here you go if you want to learn how to speak english this is what you have you know like it's a bit more i can touch it i I don't know if i've explained it well but (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense so i guess the the so we talked about from the data science angle. What about outside of data science? What are you currently exploring? Yeah. Um, so I do calisthenics. Um, at the moment, the weather outside is not the greatest. So um, I've been focusing a lot on my statics side of calisthenics. So handstands, plunges, um, L-sit holds and things like that. And a bit of like flexibility, yoga style stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, in my spare time, I literally just try and do push-ups and <laughs> work on stretching and doing splits and stuff like that. It's so random, I know, but that's cool, man. That <laughs> that's important. It's important stuff to to work on. <laughs> what are you most inspired by right now? Um, oh, so um, I've written out a list of um people that have done things in the world um it's, it's, it's like um i'll give you an example so i'll have like lebron james uh, michael jordan well maybe not lebron james is more legends so michael jordan uh, bill gates john d rockefeller um edison you know i'll have these names and like um, i'm going through each and every one of them's biography just to understand how they think and how they done things, how they managed to overcome certain situations that they would have encountered to reach the levels and the heights that they have. Um, I see it as a little project for me. Um, I still feel as though I'm only starting out my career. So having a good overview of what what can take me the full mile, like I, I know I want to cause big impact in the world, you know? So um, I think seeing it from now, is is very important so um yeah definitely that <laughs> i think you will really be interested in in this book mastery by robert green uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not but it sounds <laughs> yes that one yes um so yeah mastery by robert green good book like uh i've got a bunch of i got like i got his concise i got the the long audio versions of all his books but uh, i got the concise versions as well um yeah. i'm actually uh scheduled to interview Robert Greene 
no way in a couple of weeks so um, no way oh yeah. my god that's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> i need to hear that but yeah that's crazy man you got mastery right there as well yeah it's a good book oh yeah robert green was one of the first people that i, I started looking at in fact i started looking at him when i was still within the the church mm-hmm. um because those books, I felt like these these were things that would um, it would provoke you to want to learn and stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. mastery, forty eight laws of power, um, yeah, they definitely were pivotal in my in my movement. Yeah, in, in forty eight laws of power, I think he has like a a, a one of the laws is build a cult like following or something like that. No, but just the thing, I read the forty eight laws of power as part of how I was going to rise through the ranks in the cult. Oh. You know, like I said, when I was there, I didn't know I was in a cult. I thought I was in the church movement. And so um, I, I was doing the things that I was being told to do. And let me, I'll just be totally honest with you. The way I rose to the top is that I attached to someone that was at the top and I was just following them around every day. I didn't do anything. Hmm. I just got close to leadership. And they saw my availability and used me. That was it. Mm. And I think that same concept applies in the real world as well. Like if you find someone that you think is doing great work, stick on them and they'll pull you up. The minute they see that you're willing to do work, they will grab you and drag you up. So, um, yeah, no, that's absolutely true, man. I mean, Robert <laughs> talks about that in mastery as well. Um, like, you know, finding a mentor and, and. Oh yeah. 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 And then the build, the building of a cult, like following, um, I, um, I had my own church and someone asked me what was my goals for the year 2017. And I actually had one that down, like, but these times I was fully gone. Like I was proper involved in the church and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I want to build a cult like following. He was like, how are you going to do that? And I was like, people need to see what it is you believing and they need to have a reason to buy into it and stuff like that. And so understanding, connecting with people, getting a deeper intuition. Do you know what? I feel as though this is the wildest thing I'm probably going to say on this podcast because I don't think a cult is where you go and learn people skills, but that's where I learned people skills. <laughs> like, I was dealing with people on a daily basis and I was so young, you know, I think I became ordained as a pastor when I was 19 and I was preaching, you know, mm. no, I was 20, sorry, I was 20 and I was preaching to people older than me. They're coming to me with their problems and I'm listening to what they're saying and, and you, 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 you get a better understanding of how people operate and when people are in desperate situations, how they begin to act and things like that. And the truth is, it, it hasn't left me. I still have these these intuitions about things, but I'm a bit more. I still be. I left only two years ago. Um, I'm I'm just a little bit cautious now. Like, okay, am I doing this correct? I hope I'm not doing this in a way that's going to manipulate this person, because then that's bad. Mm. I need to be sure I'm doing this correctly. So then I wouldn't just implement the things that I learned back then straight away. I'll check: Am I doing it sincerely? Am I doing this? the right intentions because <laughs> like I, I rose, I, I was a leader there. <laughs> you learn how to manipulate people, you know, mm-hmm. um, you learn how to, a, a tactic I used on myself to learn data science. I'm probably talking too wild, man, but a tactic I learned on myself is I learned how to brainwash people in the church. 
I learned how to get someone from one faith and bring them here and drop everything they believed about whatever it is they believed in before and follow this as diligently as possible. And so I'll start thinking back on things like, how did I change my mind? How did I change someone else's mind to do that? Because once upon a time, I was that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same concept that I've used to try and change my mind about where I want to go with data science and all of these things. It's, it's a bit wild. <laughs> it's a bit wild, but like, I feel like this is, again, a crazy thing. Everyone has to brainwash themselves to some extent now. I say that because if if you're not brainwashing yourself, someone else is going to be doing it to you, no matter what. There's there's going to be sales coming to you saying, "Hey, buy this," and that is a form. I can't. I don't know if we can say it's a form of manipulation because it's, it it's, it happens. You know, everyone is doing it. Everyone is selling something, how they dress. Everyone's doing it, and if you're just that much conscious about the message you're selling you're a little bit more powerful than someone who doesn't know the message they're selling and they will buy yours because of their uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And, and that's literally what it is. So um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to speak, I don't want to sound like a, like a crazy person, you know. No, I mean, you understand human nature pretty well, man, because that's <laughs> what it is. So it's come from a, it's come from a bad place. So I'm, I'm skeptical about it because it's like, hey, we've manipulated people like I I, the reason I went on the documentary because I felt guilty that I've manipulated people to come and join this thing and I've just left you know I was a high in a high position I've just left them there so I went on it just to show them that look this is not what I believe in anymore guys if you feel like you know I brought you here whatever cool but like I I don't think if you if you've like been through a cult and you come out the other end and you're still okay because I know there's people that are going through it now when they've got out of it. Of course, I, like I said, I've, I've had worse happen to me. So it was never going to make me feel like I can't do anything with myself anymore. But there's people going through it. Anyways, the skills you learn there are probably the best for learning people skills anywhere in the world. <laughs> I'm not advising anybody to go and join a cult to learn people skills because it's not where you should go to learn people skills. But the people, the skills you will learn there are going to be extremely, extremely advanced because you're going to make people do the wildest things. You're going <laughs> to... The senior pastor there yeah, is in a position where if he said, guys, God forbid this ever happens because it possibly can, you know? But if he ever says, guys, it's time we go and take our own lives, the people there are going to say, yes, sir. And they're going to join him and take their own lives. But that's because he's sold them on a belief so much that they're willing to do anything for it. And, you know, it, of course, there's completely everything wrong with that. However, at the same time, you're still going to need to sell someone to do the good. Like Bill Gates would have to sell his team at Microsoft to do the good, to build Microsoft. So it is, it's like the, the question of intelligence, because no doubt the senior pastor there, he's intelligent, but intelligence goes, it goes left and it goes right, you know? So, um, well, I'm very, I'm very big. interesting now, man. That's uh, <laughs> super interesting. I mean, I mean, there's some great books out there um, about persuasion. Robert Cialdini has some 
excellent writings on that topic. Um, mm. And like I said, I, I'm working on a piece about influence and persuasion for data science, but <laughs> in the context of uh, working with stakeholders and convincing stakeholders to yeah. uh, take on your ideas, but it's yeah. still playing on the same, I want to say psychological techniques. Honestly, that, I, I don't think it's different. I just think the agenda behind the person who's implementing it is different. The, the, yeah. the intent behind the person is different. It's, yeah. it's not different at all. Yeah. So if you could have a billboard put up anywhere, what would you put on it? Um, Ubuntu. <laughs> um, it sounds weird, I know. But it's a saying from a South African leader and it means through you, I am. So if the reason why I exist is because you exist and, and if we can understand that there's no individual amongst us all and we all have to work together to make everything around us better, then the, everything will be much better. So um, uh, could I give an example? That gives some completely different meaning to the Linux distribution now. Oh, yeah, because there is a Linux distribution called Ubuntu. Yeah, um, that's what I thought you were going to... If you Google the word Ubuntu, it no means... shit. It means... Um, oh, I can't... It's definitely through... I, I don't know the English translation from South African to English, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, it means through you, I exist. If you don't exist, I don't exist. That's deep. All right. Yeah, let me see. That's cool, man. Yeah, I am because you are. That's the exact English translation. Ah, that does bring totally new meaning now to um <laughs> Linux, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into what you're currently reading. So, what are you currently reading right now? Um, currently, uh, um, I, I I won a, a prize um by um on something called the Rabbit Show. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rabbit, he's pretty cool, man. Yeah, he's um, part of that part of that group chat that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, he's in. Okay. <laughs> You know what's crazy? He does so much for the community and he's not a data scientist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was Philip Voile here, the open source advocate for natural language processing, picked me to um, win some prize because I asked the question. I didn't know there was a prize or anything, but the book they gave was um, Practical Natural Language Processing. Um, so I'm going through that now. Um, trying to wrap my head around different concepts in it. And yeah, so it's a technical book. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't really read technical books too much unless it's like, so like I, 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 data science is what I do like during my day job. Right. That's like, that's, that's kind of like my philosophy towards it. It's like, I get paid to do data science. It's work to me. So when I read data science stuff, it's during work and it's usually on a on-demand basis like all right what do i need to learn to solve this problem right now because mm-hmm. whatever i'm currently using right now it's not getting me a solution mm-hmm. i'll try to find stuff that i don't know to attack this problem that's kind of how i do like a self-directed learning when it comes to, to data sciences and and i think that's because you know i'm a graduate student in mathematics i've taken several actuarial exams i have a strong foundation in the basics and so when it comes time to learn anything that i need to learn it's just it's it's not too much of a stretch for me. Mm. So I take a very much on-demand approach. I'm like, all right, here's the problem statement in front of me. My current skill set, is it sufficient to get me a answer that's going to deliver value for the business? Mm. If it is, let me rely on this tools that I have in my toolkit. If it's not, then I need to, I need to upscale and, and do you, do you read papers though. 
I, le- I read a shit ton of papers. Um, okay. I read papers for inspiration to see what other people have done mm. that I can take elements of and put into my own work because I very much remix everything as a data scientist. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't care what domain the problem statement came from. If there's some parallel between what this paper is about and what it is that I'm currently working on. And I feel like there's an element of what they're doing that can apply to my solution. I'll take bits and pieces of that and just kind of mix them together until I have a solution that's going to work. You know, there was a book written by um, Austin Cleon. See like an artist. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that book right there. Yeah. Uh, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Still like yeah, an artist. Exactly that. Still like an artist. Um, yeah. Sick, yeah. That's man. cool, man. So, you got some similar taste in reading, it seems like. Oh, yeah, it does seem like I'm probably going to see what your bookshelf's like and make a few books from there. Yeah, man, I'll send you a picture, man. Uh, I mean, and a lot of the reading I do is based on people that come on my show. Like, I've, that's, that's lately what's been reading my driving is by the guests that I have on my show and the books that they give me. So then I'll read the book and I'll come up with questions. So something I have releasing, I think in December, is an interview with uh, Dr. Christian Bush. Um, and he got his PhD from LSE, I think, uh, London School of Economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that's a really good episode. He he wrote a book called The Serendipity Mindset. Oh, wow. So uh, I think it's already released. It might be. So if it is, check it out. But but definitely tune into that episode. I think you'll really enjoy that one. It was a good episode. Oh, yeah. You um, said his name is Dr. Uh, Christian Bush and B-U-S-C-H. Yeah. And the book is called The Serendipity Mindset. Oh, yeah. It comes up like I think I went through like sixty books already this year. That was probably my favorite one. Jeez, man. Hands down, hands down. How do you track how many books you're reading? You know, I, I always hear people saying, "Yeah, I read fifty books, forty books." Right? But I, the truth is, I don't. I can't. I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how do you track it? Uh, part part of it is because um, I know how many people I've interviewed for the podcast, and most of them have books that I had to read. <laughs> so there's that, and then my audible listening history. Like you can. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What song do you have on repeat? Oh, I don't listen to music as much, but there's two songs. No, there's three songs. <laughs> they're a bit wild um, and they're a bit old school. Um, Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Juicy, Biggie Smalls. Okay. And um, Nasty Girl, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice, man. <laughs> Very but my go-to is definitely Billie Jean and then um, Juicy. That's awesome, man. So that's good, good, good taste in the old school. Let's pull up a random question generator. Let's do a few out of this. I'll even join you on, on this. I'll answer some as well. So where is my screen at? All right. So you should see the random question generator here. First question says, what was the last book you gave up on and stopped reading? Oh, um. That was a while ago because I really tried to finish everything that I start reading. Um, there was an economics book I was reading and I was falling asleep every single time. I'll read two lines and sleep, but I can't <laughs> remember what it's called. That's how bad it is. Um, but yeah, so, uh, for some reason, I was just reading economics books and stuff like that. Um, that's, like so, that's so funny because it's like the last book that I was reading and I gave up on was also an economics book. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, the rational optimist. I forgot who wrote it, uh, but yeah, the rational optimist, which is a book about economics, but book about human prosperity okay. um, and how it's been 
changing over time. The reason I read it was because my, you know, my idol is Naval Ravikant and yeah, yeah, yeah. the the author that wrote that book, like Naval Ravikant loves that guy. And I was like, all right, well, if my idol likes this guy, let me read this book and see what it's about. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, it, I stopped reading it. It was just too academic for me, man. I feel like, <laughs> like it just, it, yeah, it was just too academic for me. Um, yeah. That's what, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll pick it up again. Um, I, when the time is right, I'm sure I'll pick it up again and I'll start reading it. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Ooh, that's a good question, man. Um, I'll probably go for like, it's not really a superpower, but it's more of a, like a, a character. Can I do that? Yeah. yeah. I'll go for an um, a Iron Man sort of character, but the personality of... Um, uh, is it Mr. America? Captain America. Okay. So personality of a Captain America and the character, like the um, the intelligence, the skills, the um, the suit, mm. that of uh, Iron Man. I like that. I like that. Damn, if I had a superpower, what would, I, what would I pick as a superpower? I think one thing I would love to have is the ability to see how certain decisions I make would unfold maybe 10 to 15 steps. Into oh, the- yeah. so if I make this particular decision, here's a probability distribution of all the possible <laughs> outcomes. And I guess to a certain extent, like I guess that we can all do that to a certain extent, but um, mm. tell, to, I guess to boil it down, if I could have any future, any superpower would be to predict the future. I mean, but we could we could do it to a certain extent because you will say that someone who plays chess has got that exactly. intuition proper like locked in their mind. So it's almost like playing chess with your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I've uh, got an interview that I'm releasing tomorrow with Annie Duke, and Annie Duke wrote this book, Thinking in Bets and How to Decide. Thinking in Bets, that book changed my life completely, and that book essentially it, the premise of it is something called Bayesian psychology which means essentially looking at every choice you make and assessing the uh, probability distribution of the future. It's a really interesting book. Um, highly recommend it. Tune into the episode tomorrow to, to listen to it. I mean, by the time this episode is released, that episode will have yeah. been in the past. So if you're listening to this episode and you got this far into it, go back and listen to Annie Duke's episode. Let's do one more here. If you lost all of your possessions but one, <laughs> what would you want it to be? I've already said this, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it would be my personal values, like um, my core principles, things I would I stand by. You know, um, I, that's that's what has guided me, and it what is is what protected me when I was in the craziest situations um, in my life as a silly teen, in my life as a cult member, in my life as I am now. Is my principles, Dave, Dave you know, they've helped me and they're always evolving and developing as I get older and stuff like that. So yeah. What about I, I dig it, man. Uh, I, I mean, just to say cons- consistent and because it's not true, I probably uh, make sure I scoop up the wedding ring uh, that my wife gave me two of them just, you know, to make sure that, cause that's not, that's something that's really not replaceable at all. Mm, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the only material possession I have that, um, that I feel like is, irreplaceable every other material possession or whatever get a replica of it Man. so Curtis how can people connect with you and where can they find you online great yeah um, I'm on LinkedIn um, I'm also on 
I'm now on YouTube. Oh, well, by the time this comes out, I would have a lot more stuff on YouTube. Okay, um, nice. I'm on Medium. Uh, where else am I? I'm going to start linking my Instagram to like my, my um, outside of work life. I mean, my work life as well. So you'll probably find me on Instagram. The easiest way to find me is just type Curtis Pikes on Google and you'll find everything I'm active on. Yeah, um, definitely. Tried, yeah. I'll uh, link to all that as well in the show notes in the guest profile. Um, by the mm-hmm. time this releases, I'm sure I'll have access to, to all of yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll do that, man. Curtis, thank you so much, man, for taking time out of the schedule to come on to the show today. I appreciate you uh, being here. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, Alfred.